Hello, and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore in the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm your host, Joe Perez, one of several lore-focused folks from Blizzard Watch, and I've got my stupendous co-host with me today, Matt Rossi. Uh, today, we're going to be answering even more of your questions, because we have them, and I appreciate it. Thank you very much. If you do have questions for this podcast, you can be sure to send them into podcast at blizzardwatch.com, or one of our several channels in our Discord that we have set aside specifically for it. If you are a Patreon supporter, you have access to the Patreon uh, podcast and Q supporter question channel, uh, where we try to give our Patreon supporters just a little bit of priority over the other ones. Uh, and then we do have a general one if you can't support us on Patreon, uh, so that you can still share with us anything that you want to have answered. Uh, so I think we're just going to get right on into it, unless Matt has any objections. Nope. All right. Greetings from Australia, Matt and Joe. Longtime listener, first time questioner. This one's for Lorewatch. I'm writing you in an effort to spark a conversation regarding the seemingly odd history of the highborn of Eldathur Loss. The Chandralar, in my opinion, there seems to be parts of their history that beg for the development and or clarification. As the established lore states, Prince uh, Torthelodrin, I'm going to pronounce a whole bunch of stuff wrong, folks, so I, I can already hear it in the comments, just bear with me, uh, and company summoned the demon uh, Imolathar to Elder Thalas so the Highborn could feed off its magic. Being a demon, the nature of this magic would be demonic. Fell, no doubt. Now we know that feeding off of fell magic corrupts creatures over time, and we know precisely how it tends to corrupt night elves. My core question here is this. Why don't most of the population of Eldrith Alas show signs of fell corruption from their use of Imolthar's magic? It's stated that Torthelodon's insanity is linked to feeding off of Imolthar's uh, magic. But why was he affected? Why was he the only he affected with the negative? Where are the Shendralar highborn with glowing fell green eyes, for example? My guess is this: some of the tomes of magical knowledge of the Shendralar keep the uh, kept for Queen Ashara held information on how to avoid or at least drastically reduce the effects of fell corruption. If the ogres of the Gorian Empire can learn how to nullify the effects of different types of magic, including fell, from titanic artifacts, why can't the highborn do the same? Azeroth has Titan facilities. All over, and the Keldori Empire was quite large. I'm sure there would have uh, would have come across a Titan relic or two, but that's my made-up explanation. All in all, something is missing. Did they find a way to refine the siphoning process? What are your thoughts? Thanks for the years of quality contra uh, content. This is Aratus, role player of Moonguard. Well, Aratus, I hate to just jump in and say you're wrong, but you're wrong. Uh, look at Imolthar. What is he? He's a big, two-headed dog with not one, but two one-eyed skulls, and then a bunch of tentacles with eye stalks coming off the top of them. He is classified in the game as a Void Terror, mm -hmm. which, like a Void Walkers, is a demon that draws upon Void. And you'll notice that Torthelgen didn't go fell. He didn't have anything fell about him. He just went insane, which is something that often happens when one taps into Void power. So the Chandralar weren't drawing upon fell. In the first place, they were drawing upon the void. And that's why insanity and strange... You'll, you'll notice the pylons summon various kinds of arcane entities, not fell entities. Mm -hmm. There's no fell there. So they weren't fell corrupted because they weren't drawing upon fell, which is probably why they didn't draw the Legion's attention and thus weren't just stomped into the ground when the Legion was invading back 10,000 years ago. Uh, Eldrathalus was ignored and avoided because it wasn't tapping into fell in the first place. There are now, does this mean that Imolthar isn't a demon? That's kind of up in the air. Uh, he's considered a demon in the game so far, but so are, like I said, so are void walkers and void walkers draw upon fell. Uh, there's even a boss. <laughs> you mean void. In, yeah. Draw upon void. Sorry. There's even a boss in hellfire Citadel who draws upon both fell and void as a result of, of Gul'dan's experimentation. So it's clear that these are the, hardly the first demons to draw upon Void. And, and for that matter, we've even seen there's other creatures who are considered demons who might, in fact, have allegiance to a different power source. Yeah, I um, think, just to sort of jump in real quick, I think I think the, the term demon is just used to apply to extraplanar creatures, essentially, in Warcraft. That's what it feels like. No, no, we've actually seen them specifically say this is a creature from, you know, this is a Void monstrosity or what have you, and they're not considered demons. Sometimes they call them abominations. Sometimes they call them something else. But there are specifically demons that we know tap void. And in this case, the void terrors are absolutely that. 
Um, the only Void Terror we had before the Burning Crusade was Imulthar. But in Burning Crusade, there was another, there were like several Void Terrors in Azeroth used in the Sunwell. Uh, we know that there's a bunch in Outland as well. There are, I'm trying to think of all the various Void Terrors we've got in game. Uh, these are the, the named ones I can think of besides Imulthar. There's Akuthar, who we saw in Cataclysm. There's Putrethar from Warlords of Draenor. Um, I know there's more, but I can't remember them. Uh, there's also the, um, oh, isn't the Yor, guy? Yor, yeah. Yor from, from Shatra, from Shafar. He's a Void Hound. In fact, there's he's, Dark, Nexus, yeah. he's Nexus Prince Shafar's Void Hound yep. in the Monotombs. So I would be willing to bet you 10 to 1 that the Void Terrors or Void Hounds come from uh, Koresh. They they might they very well might I mean I, and I think part of the reason that people see the those particular hounds and associate them with uh, the legion specifically is because of I think I want I want to say really the first time we saw them outside of this was uh, Sunwell where yeah well no, the first time we saw them outside of this was in Nexus Prince Shafar's care in Monotombs which was before Sunwell fair uh, and but the thing is I'm not saying they're not in the service of the legion I'm absolutely not saying that. I'm not saying they're. I'm even not saying they're not demons. But they just don't. They just don't cotton with the fell energy. That's they not. They. Yeah. And so if you're tapping their power, you're tapping the void. And you even get like here when I went and looked up your because I just remembered him, a gift from Illidan Stormrage to accompany Nexus Prince Shafar. Your is a void hound of unlimited savagery and power. So I don't know where Illidan got him. So that 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 blows my theory that they're originally from Karash, but. You know, I don't know where Illidan got this thing, but he got one. Uh, it, it seems possible the Legion has, just like the Legion has Void Walkers in its control, and, uh, and we know Warlocks can draw upon them. Uh, we also know that they are at least somewhat aligned with uh, the Old Gods because Nazoth, in his vision of, you know, this wonderful world of the Black Empire to come, uh, that's where Shadhar is, right? Like, it, the, the, he's in the gut of... Uh, uh, of you know or whatever he is like in that one weird orifice in the Nazoth thing it's Shadar the Insatiable yeah and Iolatha right so like but he's it's actually funny because he's listed as a Void Hound and as an aberration yeah yeah so that's interesting but to, to, to answer your question ultimately the reason that they don't have to they don't need any explanation as to how they learn to draw upon fell without getting fell corrupted is that they don't draw upon fell now that that now opens up a whole new question: How did they learn to draw upon void energy without turning all tentacly? That's that's you know we we do know that Torthaldrin went crazy, but it seems very likely that they learned how to do that by not drawing upon it very much. Unless there's they, some they, natural like I don't want to say insulation, but I mean this begs the question of void elves. Right, so we know that void elves can tap into the void, and they don't get all tentacly. They can pull on the void power, and we know that. Well, yeah, you know, but they have turned purple. They <laughs> it's have. Not like, it's they not have, like they're completely unaffected. If if you if you accept that this is void energy, how come the Shendralar still look like night elves and aren't like deep purple, glowing eyed night elves? That I mean, is a good question. Yes. So like, and I'm I'm wondering if like, I, I guess that's one of those things that I don't know if we'll ever get a full explanation on. It could have something to do with sort of the stasis of the place because the the everything there always feels like it's in this as you're moving through it. It's in this weird like slow decay, if that makes sense. Like everything feels like it's slower, but it should have crumbled to the grounds eons ago uh, or turned into dust, and yet. Here you have uh, these ancients that are still there, although they are, you know, slightly maddened and, and they definitely feel uh, some form of corruption from this thing there. Because, again, they're mad. They're angry. Uh, you have the twisted form of uh, the one spirit of the ancient that you uh, he's present for the original paladin and warlock quest, right? Like the warlock quest is turning that essentially that horse into a demonic mount, right? Uh, there's a whole lot of weird stuff that happens. No, no, that's not the the warlock quest is to go to get a mount from where the dreadsteeds come from. That's that horse is not getting turned into a demonic mount. I thought no, that, the original the original so. quest was something to do. I with remember. That. I remember the bell and the stuff you had to do. I, I did the Warlock quest with the Warlock exactly once. I don't think you're right there, but I, I don't remember well enough to say exactly what happens. 
But I'm pretty sure that the Dreadsteed you ride is an actual demon from Zoroth. Well, there's the Felsteed and the Dreadsteed. There's two, right? So there's... I'm, I'm trying to think the... I'm going to have to look this no, up. No, the Dreadsteed of Zoroth is the level 40 Epic Warlock ground mount. And it's absolutely... That's the one you did the quest for. Felsteed is learned at level 20. Yeah. Yeah. The Dreadsteed is the one... You, the quest one is the one from Zoroth. So that you don't know. It's not... You don't turn the horse into your demon mount in it from Dire Maul. The Dire Maul quest is to go in and uh, actually to use the, the room Immelthar's in. Hmm. You know, so... Uh, Although you do... The Dreadsteed you get is Anathrazim's uh, special mount. It's Lord Helnoroth, the Stablekeeper's mount. That's what you get. Hmm. Well, either way, uh, I, I, I think going back to the, the, the original point I make it is the, the area does not feel like it's untouched by the presence of constant void energy. I, it feels like there's always like a war of something. The spirits you come in contact with are maddened. Uh, they're not just like... And they still have their form, too. Unlike other highborn ghosts we've seen uh, throughout the world, they're not, like, the, the Banshee-esque version of themselves. Some of them are. Uh, but, like, when you come across uh, the hunter and her bear, they're just spectral undead versions of themselves, but they're still, like, angry, and they're not friendly to you, despite the fact that, like, you could be, you know, maybe not... You're, if you're going in as a horde, maybe I can understand that, but if you're coming in as, like, another elf player, like, they don't recognize. So I understand there's the whole game mechanics thing, but it just feels like that area is always off. Right, it just because I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you made me go look up Felsteeds. Uh, they're originally from Desolus. Oh, okay then. They were horses. They were horses from Desolus that the Scar, the Shadow Council decided they were going to turn fell because the Shadow Council are just that kind of guys. Uh, but that's actually cut does come into what we were just talking about because I I don't know that I agree with you about what you're saying about um, Dire Maul, especially the the wing in question. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's when you go in there and you talk to the ghost who gives the quest. To, to, you know, finally get rid of Imolthar. They do talk about Imolthar's presence having warped the place and how it was Torthaldron who forced them. I don't, I don't know if it comes off as like void corrupted as such, but it feels, it feels like it's more like, it feels more to me like what's going on in there is that they have rotted because that's what I mean. They've isolated themselves. Yeah, but it doesn't feel you're making it sound like it's the void doing it. I, I don't, don't think, think it is. I think I, but I'm thinking like it, it, what I was trying to get at is it feels like it's a warring of energies to me because we talk. No, about, I think it's just time. I straight up think okay. they just isolated themselves for 10,000 years. And in all that time, they haven't had access to the, the bargain that the night elves made with the dragons, you know, to, to get mm -hmm. Nordrasil, not Nordrasil. Um, no, it is Nordrasil. I keep confusing Nordrasil and Teldrassil in my head, but no, the, the Nordrasil bargain that gave the United Elves functional immortality, that wasn't, the Shendralar weren't privy to that deal. They weren't there anymore. They had, iso they had already isolated themselves in, in Dire Maul, uh, what was then, you know, Eldrathalus. So I find myself wondering, I mean, what you're saying could be right, and it's something to consider, but I don't know if it's necessary to, to have that there. And it might the not be. Fact is that the fact that they've trapped Immelthar, I don't know. It's, it's, it is a fascinating thing to consider. What's been going on? How much void energy have they been taking in all these years? Uh, I, and we've allowed them to join the Alliance. The Alliance is now, if you think about it, the Alliance allowed the Void Elves to join too. Yeah, they did. The Alliance keeps letting Elves who've been screwing around with the Void join. <laughs> Yeah, and that, that's why it's fascinating, right? Because like that, And that's why I like this question, because it's one of those things where it's like, we don't know a whole lot about it, and we're the ones that went to go do anything in this area. We're, as a player character, you are the one that has interacted the most with, the, with the, the people of this area, with these particular elves. You're the ones that have helped them. You're the ones that have cleared out the infestation of the satyrs. You're the one that have cleared out demonic uh, influences, the ghosts, everything you have the most knowledge of what happened there. And even then looking back on it, you really don't know. Like all you know is what you've been told to a certain point, but it, a lot of it, like you're saying, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And then the Alliance comes along. Yeah, sure. Come on in. Uh, what does that mean? What does that, what does that have the potential to, to, to cause problems with, especially with anything that might happen in the future? What could that, it, it's a fascinating thing because I'd love to learn more about the time uh, between 
them capturing this demon and and us getting there to kill it and then kill the prince. Like, I'd love to know more about what their process was, how much they consumed, what it actually meant, if there was, you know, anything wrong with, like, the energies of the area. Because, again, uh, to me, it felt like a very almost night elfy place, not even a high elfy place at first when you start going through it. Like, it felt like this natural... It, it almost seemed like it was potentially in harmony with the, the world around it, with the ancients being there, the way that it's open to the area, uh, the way that it's integrated with the area, uh, which was very elfy for the time, too. Like, we see a lot of that in old architecture where things were just built into, you know, be harmonious with the land even before they were night elves uh, or truly separated night elves, high elves. It's just one of those things, like... I always wanted to know, learn more about that area, what it was originally intended for, what, I mean, we know what it turned into and what it was, what we're told it was supposed to be for, but is that accurate? What happened in the meantime? Can we ever go back and look at that library? I think you go back in Legion as a maid, part of the uh, Order Hall campaign, I think sends you there, but even that's brief and it's not very quick and you're literally going there to steal a book if i remember correctly mages correct me if i'm wrong please let me know um i did the the legion order hall stuff uh not completely uh because leveling was too quick so it is entirely possible that i'm missing something there but i remember going back there for a quest and it was very very brief so i don't know uh, it's a it's a good question, and maybe it will bear fruit later. Maybe it'll be one of those threads that they pull on for uh, future thought and consideration. <laughs> All right, our next question. Hello, watchers. First off, I wanted to say thank you for what you do. Well, you're welcome. Uh, keeping up with the lore via your podcast made me want to get back into the game, and I've been enjoying it thoroughly in playing through the lore I had heard about. I'm playing through the Hunter Order Hall questline on an alt, and Cadgar called the Houndmaster by the name Hakar. Amaral Sh- uh, Shade Warden also refer to the demon as Hakar. Is this the same Hakar as the trolls, uh, just in a different form, or just two NPCs with the same name? Other random thoughts I've had. I was doing a quest down in Thousand Needles, and you kill a troll pirate who says he walked in on his wife, summoning the dead and doing more. I know this was probably just a throwaway joke, but I think that has interesting applications on the the ways the dead can be manipulated by non-necromantic magic. I had been thinking about the plight of the dragons and the way their lines could be carried on. One thought I had was having kids with the other races of Azeroth. I feel like we've seen romantic interactions between some of the dragons and other characters like Jaina and Caligos, and half-races exist in the world, though I don't know if half-dragons do canonically. What are your thoughts about this as an avenue for them to use, if it would be cool or not, and if it could lead to a new race playable by both sides, and if that would be cool? Uh, thanks for all you do. This is from Titan Fuzz, a prot warrior on Velen. You want to give it a shot? I don't want to talk about if dragons are having people. Well, there's two other parts of the questions. <laughs> but also, the, the necromantic. First of all, I don't know. You, I don't know why you're saying it was non-necromantic magic. Um, just because the troll pirate said they walked in on his wife summoning the dead and doing more doesn't mean she wasn't using necromancy. But I don't. Like because there's that. there's an aspect of shamanism that can call up ancestors in the dead, so it's entirely possible that they might have been doing something. What makes you think knows? you're not using necromancy to do, to do that? I, because I don't want to believe it. <laughs> oh, you are. You're a necromancer. Suck it. Um, no, seriously. I, I don't I don't know, man. That's look, it's a lot of weird questions. One, Let's start with first the first one. one. Can, the first one I can answer pretty easily because it's it's a known story. Um, when they named the Hakar in World of Warcraft, they simply forgot that there was a Hakar in the uh, the Ancients novels. So um, they just said, OK, well, there's two of them. Because they did, there was nothing else they could do at that point. They they had just straight up forgot they'd already named a demon Hagar. So they're not the same character. They do have the same name. We don't know why. In in game, there is no lore reason for this. Um, but yeah, Hakar the Houndmaster is a different being than Hakar. I mean, you know, there's more than one Matt in the world. I do meet other Matthews quite frequently, actually. Um, <laughs> used to do a podcast with one, so it does happen, and it's always kind of awkward. Um, but in this case, yeah. That straight up, there's there's two Hakars, they're different. People. We're gonna see the the troll Loa Hakar in in Shadowlands. Yes. In in the other side dungeon, so there will be some continuity there. Uh, but as for your other questions, the first one, I, I I got none. I don't know about whether or not people are using other kinds of magic to summon dead people for sex, and I don't want to think about it. Uh, <laughs> um, and on the dragon one, I don't, I just don't have any idea. I don't know. We we know that there's. 
there's other beings besides dragons that are part of the dragon flights. There's draconids and, you know, there's like the, the kind of centaurish dragonkin. And then there's the walking, the big walking dragonkin. That Those are the draconids. I think they're basically based on, this is, I think, I don't know if Joel will have an opinion on too, but I think they're basically based on Dragonlance. Yeah, they are. They the are Draconians. Because they, 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 they predate Dragonborn from D, but they don't predate the Draconians. So I'm pretty sure they're based on those guys. I would absolutely agree with that. And, and it makes perfect sense because one of the first people they ever asked to write some of the stories for the novels and novelization of the game was Richard Knack, who was very well known for his Dragonlance series. And I re- very distinctly remember them saying that Dragonlance in particular was an inspiration to them when they were starting to craft the, the World of Warcraft broader story so that makes yeah. perfect sense to me but in terms of if you can have a half dragon i mean they don't really they they used to have half dragons in D D, but they don't anymore they they went with the dragonborn instead um i don't i don't know if it's possible for a dragon and a human to have a child in world of warcraft or a dragon and anybody else like an elf the dragons do seem to like taking various forms uh like chromie likes being a, a gnome and uh various Rathion is a sexy human is he I never knew if he was human. It seems like it was, he doesn't have pointy ears, so I don't think he's an elf. Oh, right. You can see his ears now. I, I keep yeah. thinking of him with the, like, the, head, the headdress on, but he... Now he, he's got he the hair down. Yeah. yeah. I, I, so, yeah. I, there's just basically... Um, the dragons seem to take humanoid form for convenience's sake. It's like, you know, I have to go into that building and talk to all those tiny little people, and it's just better if I'm not, you know, a big old dragon taking up half the room. So I'll just go down and I'll take on this human form and go do it. Um, so there's a couple like of Sarah did and so forth. A lot of them do oh, yeah. whether or not they're having children with humanoids. I don't know. They do have romantic interactions with some, some dragons and some humans do get. I, uh, so I'm going to start with the, the Hakara thing. Just real quick. My two cents. It's also entirely possible that they could retcon this later on or expand it out where Hakara is a title as much as a name, uh, or it is a name that has a very specific meaning, uh, and it was used unironically, but Matt is absolutely right that it's one of those things where in the early days of WoW, you didn't have somebody uh, curating the lore of the game. You didn't have a team dedicated to cataloging everything and then reviewing quest text and dialogue and making sure that you weren't reusing the same name in different instances for different NPCs and confusing players. Like that's a thing that's a relatively, I'll say a relatively modern development of the game. So some of that is just going to be bleed over from that, but they could find a way to explain that away later if they really so choose to. Like the only reason I know is because Richard Knack straight up said, yeah, I went to Thurisman Metzen and said, what's the deal? And he, Chris Metzen said, Oops. I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's how I know about that. Yeah. As far as the thousand needle stuff, I think it was a throwaway joke. There's been a several of, of those and they were not always done in the best taste. Uh, but it is also possible that there are other magics that could bring back the dead or interact with the dead that aren't necessarily strictly like a necromancer bringing reanimating the dead. Um, Here's my thing about this: I feel like we're we're confusing death magic, like specifically the the kind of fundamental forces of the Warcraft cosmology, with necromancy. Yeah, and maybe to a degree. I feel like necromancy is simply I use magic to do stuff with dead people. And if you raise the dead, you are doing necromancy. It doesn't matter how you're doing it. Am I using the holy light? Am I using, you know, shamanic magic? Whatever magic you're using, if you're pulling somebody out of death or even kind of halfway out of death, like when you're making a zombie or something, that's necromancy. I don't care. I, I, I can like, I can know. hear the paladins out there cringing as they were saying that, but it, it's not, I, I can't find fault with the logic. I can't. The you lo- are messing with a dead person. It's necromancy. I'm sorry. The last question, though, I think is probably the most interesting to me personally, because this is something that I think would be really, really neat, uh, is if they could use this as an explanation. We do know uh, that ostensibly dragons, for whatever you know, you want to call them, they were reforged by titans in some capacity. They were charged up, they were messed with by titans. Most of the races on Azeroth, 
our Titan creations in some capacity or can draw their lineage back there. Having interactions between the two would be rather fascinating if there is something that they could do with that where they could canonically have half dragons. Um, I was talking about this the other day with uh, a couple players uh, of D&D with, uh, that are in some of my groups where they asked, when do I think WoW will ever bring Dragonborn into or a form of Dragonborn into the game? And I think that could be an interesting solution because, again, there's a wild card out there that we don't know anything about. We don't know anything about the Dragon Isles. We know that they keep referencing it, and they've been referencing it a lot more recently. We don't know what exists there. We don't know what societies exist there, if there is any. We don't know uh, what we'll find when we eventually get there, which I do firmly believe that we will at some point get to the Dragon Isles. Uh, It's entirely possible that there is an intermingling of races there, where dragons have, you know, any settled creations of of the titans that have lived there uh, over all these years maybe there is some form of hybridization but i think it would actually be kind of cool and i like the idea of maybe having a new race not necessarily a class uh maybe an allied race or something that looks like a hybrid dragon i think it would fit the lore of the world if they so choose to uh they would just have to make it happen uh because it's open-ended enough that they could do that if they wanted and i think players would enjoy it i think it'd be really cool personally i would love to have you know a little half dragon monk running around you know breathing fire or punching things it'd be cool i think it'd be really neat um but the, it's one of those things where they haven't said anything of it being possible, but they also haven't said it isn't possible. So this is one of those possibility things. If they wanted to do this, if Blizzard turned around and said, yeah, this would be cool, they could find a way to justify creating uh, this in any way they so choose because that door is still open. They haven't shut it off yet. All we know about dragons is they choose mates and that they lay eggs. We don't know if they inter- they're capable of interacting and like Matt's pointed out there's been several romantic relationships uh canonically with dragons and non-dragons so what would happen if that comes from that union and as you've pointed out we know that there are specific half uh I don't want to call them half breeds because it's a, a real dirty word but um half races of you know elves and humans we know that they can interact we've seen that we have twins running around of that nature so why not other races why not other things that have been tinkered with by the titans so who knows maybe i think that would be fun (laughs) oh that was a good long one uh so let's go with this next one here this one is from bruce this is for a long watch. It's a trio of short-ish questions, some of which may need longer answers. Uh, we'll do them one at a time and, and go from there. Uh, so the first one, how warm are Death Knights? Significantly cooler than living humanoids, I figure, but since they do breathe, uh, it's in a bunch of quest text, even if we assume it's mostly so that they can speak, maybe somewhat warmer than room temperature? <laughs> uh, well, they are undead. They are undead. We know that much. For that matter, Forsaken breathe. I thought Forsaken don't breathe because that's the, the canonically they, do they don't it. breathe anymore. They Only don't, you know, they breathe. They breathe. It's enough that you can drown them. They don't drown anymore. They don't drown at all. You can just go underwater and walk forever. Uh-huh. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. They, they change uh, that. I want to say cataclysm. The, like, canonically, they don't breathe unless they speak, I think. Yeah. Undead, I don't know if, if Death Knight actually drowned, to be honest. I've never tried to. But, I mean, I they have do. a Death Knight. I could log on and find out. At any rate, I think they probably are... I think what would really be the case is it depends on what they're doing. Like a frost death knight would probably be significantly colder because they're channeling the power of cold. I think blood like, would probably be significantly warmer. Yeah. Cause they're draining blood into themselves and using it to, for power and plague. I don't know. Plague is like, you're probably constantly going through a weird composting stage or whatever. <laughs> um, but I do think that in general, they're probably a little warmer than I think. I don't think they would be warmer than room temperature unless they're doing something that would make them be so. Like Joe's point about blood death knights, I think is valid. Like a blood DK is constantly calling up the power of blood. So while doing so, they'd probably be warmer than room temperature. But when they're not using their powers, I think they'd probably just be a corpse. Um, in terms of the thing is, is they're complicated by the fact that they have the first off, it's complicated by the fact that we're talking about death knights as if you can do that, but you can't. There's the Acarus death knights that most players are, but there's other kinds of death knights. Um, one comes to mind is the original Death Knights, who were orc souls jammed into dead human bodies using, you know, the, the magic that uh, Gul'dan had learned from the Burning Legion. 
and thus probably from the you know he probably would have got that magic from the Nathrazim, probably which might yeah, be important make... coming up in Shadowlands. Um, Likely now they they use jeweled truncheons to house their souls. Their souls weren't in their bodies. Their souls were in jeweled truncheons they were carrying around. Soul gems. They were they were in soul gems. Yeah. So, but that is the case. They probably were. They probably had nothing going on heat wise because their bodies were literally not even. They were just animating them from from the jewels. They weren't even really there. Uh, whereas Acherus Death Knights were animated by the power of the of the Lich King. And this has always made me wonder. At one point, Arthas was a Death Knight before he became the Lich King. Yeah, but he hadn't really died. Died. Right? That's my question. Yeah. Did he count as undead? I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know if he counted do you, as undead. Do I don't know if he counted as undead at any point. I don't think he did either. Like now that I'm thinking about it, because like he never canonically died. Well, no, he didn't. When he ripped his heart out at one point, didn't he? Yeah, well, that's a, he ripped his heart out. But when he ripped his heart out, we found it, and it wasn't a heart. Yeah, you know, it wasn't a physical. Be- you know, it was a big chunk of black nothing. So or anima was was he dead at that point? I don't have an answer to this question. You can you can argue in both directions. The other the other idea is that of- Death Knight is just a again a term, right? Like it could it could have a a uh, a band, right? It it could be like undead is a a wide term. It can be applied as a very wide term. Yeah, but the current Acherus Death Knights, the ones that people play. Yeah are animated corpses, but they're animated in a specific special way. Uh, one of the things that keeps coming to mind is I can't remember what it's called, but they have a thing where death knights are in, apparently have to hurt people or kill people. It, if they don't do it, they start going into like re- withdrawal and it starts being agonizingly painful. So if that's the case, the magic that animates them might be very different than the magic used for other undead. It might yeah, because mimic the- life more. Maybe because then the because the the regular undead can mill about doing nothing um, like yeah they can un- just wander around whereas it's like a, if you're a death knight one of the reasons death knights don't do things like just hang out in ca- capital cities and be friendly with everybody is that they they literally have to go off and find conflict because they gotta torture and kill things you know they must inflict suffering and pain if you have to inflict suffering and pain and you don't constantly go find some place to go fight. You know? Do you think that's a leftover thing? Like, okay, so I've been thinking about this a lot with Death Knights in general. Do we think that Death Knights originated from some of the idea, like, I don't want to say iconography, uh, but some of the the methodology of Maldraxxus? Do we think that that's a leftover of the drive that's instilled in all of the creatures of Maldraxxus to fight? Because that's one of the things that happens there a lot, where it's like you are you are driven to conflict even in times of peace. They have like the first thing you do when you're there, and again, mild spoilers, but this is. I don't really view this as too story specific, but like it's an arena battle between all of the houses and that's a constant thing you find out. Do you think that maybe some of that magic originates from there? Because we know that some of the death Knight stuff definitely does originate from there. Do you think that that has something to do with you? Do you think that's tapping into that animation magic the same way that they, they mold the anima of spirits that go to Maldraxxus to just have this constant urge to fight, but it's been twisted or corrupted or incomplete in such a way that now it's not just fighting. It's not just combat. It is that need to inflict pain instead. It's, it's sort of that, uh, you know, you need to torture, you need blood, you need you need to see something squirming because your original purpose of this magic that's being used to animate you has been so twisted. And the people that are doing it don't know that, that it that it's twisted from its original form. Because if you think about it, the ones that are doing the raising now aren't, you know, they're not from there. It's But it seems very similar to that. Do you think that might have some bearing on it? I mean, it might, but I mean, the people in Maldraxxus don't have bodies. Well, that's what I mean. Like, do you think? Do you think that that's? Be- I'm often refer or like th- I go back to like I think I mean forsaken saying that like existence is pain type thing. Yeah, but you're asking me this. You're asking me to have an opinion on you know is this thing that they just invented for this new expansion the reason for this thing that they invented several expansions ago? Uh, it could be, and maybe we'll find <laughs> out that it is. We have not previously heard that, um, but we have not previously heard much of anything about Maldraxxus because it didn't exist until they came up with it for this expansion. Uh, they hadn't come up with a place like that. Um, we do know that the Lich King, apparently all Lich Kings, had the ability to look forth into the Shadowlands. It's quite possible that Arthas spent that that several-year period on top of his frozen throne as he was acclimating to becoming the Lich King. He might have looked into the, the Shadowlands and looked upon Maldraxxus. I mean, clearly was, Maldraxxus... 
Clearly, Maldraxxus has runecrafting. Yeah. And the Primus was extremely skilled at it. And, and wasn't Arthas that... the only Death Knight until Wrath of the Lich King? I mean, I don't know if he was the only Death Knight until Wrath of the Lich King. He was... They, In that they time had... I don't know if that's true. No, I, I don't have an answer to that question because we know that Arthas was the primary Death Knight. He was the Death Knight of the Warcraft, you know, RTS games. Uh, Warcraft 3 specifically, all and its expansions. Obviously, there were the, the the Death Knights of the previous generation, right? And, and they still the, the... existed. They still existed. I mean, most of them were destroyed, but we found out, for instance, Terran Gorfine was hanging out in Outland, waiting to get a new body. And you had the rider, the four riders of the in in um, Next Ramus, but they were created before, right? Or were they created they were, with the same magic? No, we we had Death Knights. If you're talking about the four riders of Next Ramus, the original Next Ramus ones, there was also Baron Rivendare. Yeah who was a death knight and he was very much before wrath of the lich king but he was obviously created after warcraft 3 he was created after arthas became lich king the 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 acarus we, we, my god we're talking a lot about this we haven't even got on to his next question uh, yeah well we we got time let's let's just say the the thing to be said here is we cannot say for certain exactly what body temperature they are but they're warm enough not to freeze the death in you know and and sub zero they don't necessarily need to be warm enough not to freeze to death because they're not going to freeze to death because they're not going to die because they're already dead. Right, but so, I'm just saying like rigor mortis doesn't set in. They're they're they're, they're probably slightly warmer than magic. corpses. That, but we don't know that. No, that does not matter. Saying rigor mortis doesn't set in, so they're probably warmer than corpses. <laughs> that means nothing. That does you shouldn't have said that. That doesn't matter. We can't judge their body temperature based on them not decomposing. They're not decomposing and not rotting and not getting a rigor mortis because of magic. We don't know what effect it has on their body temperature. We know that, for instance, frost decays can become extremely cold, much colder than freezing temperature. I mean, all half of my abilities as a frost decay are pillar of frost, storm of ice. I mean, there's one where I literally just explode in a cold and it hits everything around me, howling blast. So... I can't really answer the question, but I would assume they're probably not very warm. They're certainly not warm oh, yeah. to the touch. I would imagine. No, they're, they're uh, they probably they probably are at least. But there is. I that wouldn't, I wouldn't say you're going to snuggle them at night to try to keep warm. There Sorry. is that complication of I think they do need to breathe. Yeah, they do actually. You can drown a death knight. How come? I mean, I don't know, but it might be related to that curse. Yeah, and I think it has something to do with the difference of the magic between that and the magic of, that raises the Forsaken. But we'll, fi- well, likely we're going to find out more about that as we move through Shadowlands. I would, I would almost put money on that. Um, the next question here from Bruce: Playing through the various expansions via Chromy Time, I'm freshly reminded of how many really messed up worlds there are out there. Blighted wastelands like Argus, blown up shards like Outland, and Legion leftovers. If there's a way for a world to suck, WoW's got a place for it. Do we have a general sense of how rare healthy-ish worlds like Azeroth are? Uh, this is apart from the question about how much Azeroth uh, of the last few decades is basically post-apocalyptic too. Um, short version? No. We don't really know. We know that there's like multitudes upon multitudes of, of potential planets out in the, the Twisting Nether. Uh, the Astromancer fight talks about that, right? At least... Uh, whoa, 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 are we talking the Twisting Nether or the Great... Uh, or the Void? Or the Great Dark Beyond? Which the are we great, talking about? The, sorry, the Great Dark Beyond. I, the, the two were used so interchangeably for so long that sometimes my brain still interchanges them. Uh, but basically the, the Dark of the Universe, right? Um, so like, we know that there's the potential, but we don't know anything about those planets. Uh, the only planets we really hear about are the ones that are jacked up. Uh, the ones we visit in the, the portal fight are demonically infested with various flavors of demons, whether there's, it's, yeah, there's also, I mean, there's a, there's a few worlds we get to see when we do the, uh, Argus and demon invasions where you can go through the portals into the like, other worlds of demons mm-hmm. are invading. Some of those worlds look pretty okay. Even though they've got demons invading them, they don't look messed up yet. Like there's one that's basically forested. Uh, there's one that's like a swamp. It's a not. It's not a fun swamp. It's a horrible swamp. But I mean, swamps aren't great. Nobody wants to go hang out in a swamp. Well, except for like the swamp thing. Obviously. Except for Orshrak. Yeah. Uh, man, that'd be a weird meeting. The swamp thing meets the man thing. The man thing technically came out first. <laughs> it was actually earlier. Um, but this has nothing to do. But my point is just there are some worlds that look to be okay-ish, but we don't know much about them. We, yeah. we know that the Legion went on a tear, and we don't know how bad the tear was. At one point, people were speculating there was nothing left in the universe, that Azeroth was the last inhabited world. I hope that's not the case, 
they've never said it's it's not been stated one way or the other yeah and it's really hard to gauge just by argus alone too because argus was a whole special case in and of itself right like for lack of a better term argus could be considered one of possible many ground zero for this is the worst case scenario of what happens when uh a Titan engine is corrupted into a demon engine at such a large scale and what it does to a planet, right? Like that's, that's a whole different ball game. And we don't know, like, like Matt's pointing out, like the Legion went on a tear throughout the universe. We don't know what that looked like. We don't know if they just, corrupted the population uh maybe folded them into the legion and then said okay well you know now you're now a recruiting planet like 40k space marines except chaosified or whatever the case is uh but we don't know and that's that's really as far as i know the only answer and i mean even when we were quote-unquote healthy Azeroth. Azeroth wasn't healthy. Azeroth's never really been healthy. It started with the Titans plucking a gigantic uh, voidy zit out of the uh, the side of the planet, and then, oh, well, that's bleeding. Uh, and I mean, we, there's, there's a Lunar, which is a Lunaria, which just seems to be somewhat unhuman corrupted. Yeah, but we only see so, so few of it, so that's entirely... But you're right. We don't know um, much about that planet. It could be uncorrupted. Uh, well, there's lots of planets that we know were destructed. Um, I mean, there's, there's um, I can't remember. Uh, Xandros. Xandros is destroyed. Uh, there's a lot of rift worlds, like the Telugris Rift. The Void Elves currently live there. That was a void corrupted world. I went and looked up the ones that were attacked by the Invasion Portals world. Mm-hmm. There's Orinor, which is a world with blue grass and trees on floating islands with seemingly nothing but clouds below them. We don't know what's going on there, but it doesn't seem to be demon corrupted. Uh, but the Bonich, I think, or Bonich, I'm just reading it. That one was the one with the pine trees that looks a little bit like Grizzly Hills, but with fog. But we don't know what's going on there. There's frogs there. There's frogs, netherese, unicorns, and deer, according to the list. And the, the Legion went there they, to strip mine it, uh, as far as we can tell. There's Sengar, which is the lava and molten rock world. I mean, that, that one was pretty much just a reuse of the Fireland skin. But it could also uh, be that that's just the natural state of the planet. Yeah, but at any rate, um, it's mostly fire elementals. Uh, don't know much about that one. There's that mushroom one. Uh, I, that looked like the the weirder version of Zangermarsh, like the weird. And, yeah, Nagtal. Yeah. And then there's Sangua, the world with the bones and blood and stuff. The lake of blood being drained by the demons. It's like, yikes, I don't know what's going on with that one. And uh, there's an ice one. Oh, hold on, I got a list here, and I keep finding Val. Okay, Val. Uh, that one was the ice and rock planet. The Illidari assaulted it. Um, which looks a little bit like Frostfire Ridge. Again, the, a lot of these things, they look the way they do because they were basically reuses of previous zones that Blizzard had described, but nevertheless, they exist. Yeah. And they don't, they don't, they were being attacked by the Legion, which means they weren't already corrupted or destroyed by the Legion. But there's a lot of other, there's a, there's a bunch of other worlds mentioned, but we don't know anything about them. Yeah. And it's also entirely possible that we'll learn a little bit more about some of them in the future as well. One of the things. Shadowlands, we, can- we know we're going to get at least one more gets mentioned. Yeah, uh, because the original Night Warrior is from a different world where uh, Elune is still being worshipped. And then there's so. another one that gets mentioned from the one that is destroyed uh, from one of the, in Ardenweld. One of the uh, the spirits that you interact with talks about the planet that they're from and that they can never go back home because the Legion destroyed their world. Uh, we know that there's several others, but one of the the things that I've talked about a lot is that when you're in Orbos and you look up, you just see an endless sky full of gateways and that has the infinite potential to maybe not necessarily just uh you know thousands of shadowlands but thousands of shadowlands that link to other worlds right like it there the possibility at this point is is endless for how many worlds could potentially be there and because we have such vague uh ideas of what the legion actually did with the universe and how big the universe is we could wind up going to other planets we could see other planets in the future um we now have access to technically transdimensional ships like we could do a lot with i mean we we could basically be starfinder at some point so who knows but yeah no idea we have no idea how many healthy quote-unquote worlds are out there or what that even means like the ones that you know matt pointed out those are healthy by their standards uh doesn't mean they're healthy for us to be there so (laughs) Uh, and then the last question from bruce here 
The new appearance options have given me fresh thoughts for high elf characters drawing on my first encounters with the species back in vanilla Eastern Plaguelands questing. Have they led you to any at last I can fulfill an old wish list entry or, oh, wow, brand new possibilities here, ideas for your characters, since I know you both like stories for them. Uh, so I think this is more you're asking us if we've developed any other backstories for our elven characters that we that we play respectively, uh, as far as in our canonical headspace. So, what about you, Matt? I mean, I don't really play on a high elf, so I, I mean, if you're just talking about the appearance options in general, um, in the appearance options, I mean, obviously, I I use them on my night elf to basically say, you know, here's her burn scars. I wish I could give her more burn scars than I can. I wish I could actually give her scars on her body. But, you know, very much to, to, to make the point that, you know, this character has been through the burning of Tildrassel. She saw her people die. She saw her parents die. And that was something I wanted to enshrine in her character that, you know, this happened, that the Horde destroyed her home. Uh, even if it was a new home. I mean, you know, house isn't, getting your house burned down by your neighbor doesn't suck less because you only had the house for a few months. It's still horrible. Um, so, yeah, that was what I did with that. With other characters, I mean... My, for my uh, for my light forge, obviously nothing has changed because my light forge, they didn't get anything new. <laughs> you know? But for my the dwarf, I've rolled. Uh, I was never, I never wanted to play a dwarf before, and now that they've added in stuff like the face tattoos and a lot of more different hairstyles and dark iron dwarves, I actually find them pretty interesting. So I'm playing. Like, I have two dwarves I'm playing right now. One's a dark iron dwarf paladin. The other's a, a regular. I guess a. I guess she'd be a wild hammer because she has face tattoos. Yeah. Uh, so, but that's a, I guess, a, a high mountain warrior. And those, in, in that case, that I wanted to play a high mountain, but I never wanted to play any other dwarf. Not a high mountain, um, wild hammer. Mm-hmm. High mountain dwarf. <laughs> it's a torrent, but it's four feet tall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we could go with that. It's, um, it's literally, literally, it'd be like a highland, you know, the highland cattle, the little short cows, like the ones that were really shaggy. It'd be one of those, but a torrent. <laughs> extremely short, extremely shaggy. But yeah, there's a lot. I've, there's a lot of stuff I like about the options, and they have. I, I mean, I've used them for, for characters I've made. My uh, the paladin I just leveled. I did a lot of stuff. I changed her her around significantly. Uh, when the, for one thing, I I changed her to a her because my 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 uh, Draenei paladin was a dude, and then I was like, I, I'm not enjoying it, so I made him a her. Whereas my my Draenei warrior is still a dude, and I'm perfectly happy with him. But for some reason, as a as a paladin, just wasn't working for me. So, oh, I've got to keep my human male. I just, I didn't add anything new for him. I just made him look real old because at last I could make him look real old. Uh, you know, you can, you can grizzle him up hardcore now. You can make him look so old and that's what I wanted. So I went. So one of the things I did when we first got the high elven, uh, options for elves was take my hunter who has been an elf since the dawn of time in this game. Uh, and, make her appearance fit that because back when I created, uh, my original, uh, night elf hunter, um, the canonical story in my head is that Abigail was one of the Rangers from the third war. Um, so there was a hero unit back then. Um, in the second war, there were Rangers that you could call on when the, the basically Warcraft two and Warcraft three, uh, they were units of longbow, longbow marksmen's, uh, that were like the elite wilderness, uh, wildland folks of the elves in those games. And so when world of Warcraft really first started kicking up, I never really felt that she was, you know, a night elf, uh, in true aspect. It was more, she was that sort of last vestiges, one of those, one of those scarred warriors from the second war that survived through, uh, the third war and was now taken up into adventuring to try to, you know, put a pin in all these things that have started and been going on for all this time, you know, since basically the great sundering on. Right. Um, but I was never able to make her look like that part. I wasn't able ever ever to make her look like anything more than a pure night elf or a blood elf now. Um, with now with the new options, I can get closer to that look for me. And it's not so much a aha moment where it opens up new possibilities. 
it's now I can actually make my character fit this story that I've had for them for 16 years now. Um, so it was one of those cool moments where I can make the eyes match. I can make the skin tone match. I can, you know, the jewelry is a nice little option, but it doesn't really matter. Um, but like, it feels more like it, like I can run around and feel like I'm actually that character, uh, that I always, always wanted to be, uh, Coincidentally, also the same type of character I played in the tabletop RPG when I did play, uh, which was interesting because back then I think they were called Sentinels, not just uh, Rangers. So always, always very interesting. But yeah, so for me, it was more I can just some of the new appearances just let me fit the story that the character has always had to the actual appearance of the character. I don't think I've altered as far as that goes in my own little RP or, or head cannon uh, as that happens. So she still rides a night saber because well, or, or the, the quote there in a Panther of some type just happens to be made out of Onyx because I don't, you can't ride a night saber horde character, which is very, very sad. No, it isn't. You don't deserve them. <laughs> All right. Our last you question. Burned down the tree that many of them were on. I mean, come on. Technically, this character did not because I never participated in the war campaign, and uh, you can skip that now and just kind of move on with your life, which is exactly what she's doing. Actually, you have to skip it. I don't think you can do the Russell stuff anymore. Nope. Uh, so Honestly, our- I'm going to... This is a sidetrack, but it's something I wanted to say for a while. Lore-wise, I think that's a mistake. Okay. Here's why. You can play through the assault on Undercity, but you can't play through the, the Horde onslaught on Teldrassel. And that means that you never people who are playing playing the game after the in, initial intro to uh, Battle for Azeroth don't experience it, and they therefore they don't know the perspective from the, from the Alliance side. And I think that's a mistake. Not that I I, I think it, I don't think it's an enjoyable quest. I mean, it's really a gut punch, but I think it's a necessary gut punch if you're going to actually understand, okay, this is how this started. This is the perspective of the people. I think if people played through it, they'd understand Taronda a lot more. And we maybe have less people saying that she's, you know, unhinged and out of, and out of hand. You need to actually see what happened. You may just see Taronda making the wrong decision. Taronda, like, like, you know, but you could still see it. You could still experience it, which I agree. I think that's important. And that's one of the reasons that I really hope I, I feel the same way about the original battle for undercity from, from, uh, wrath. That the scenario is gone and people can't play through it, and thus they don't have the context anymore. Um, I think stuff like that. They, we talk a lot about stuff getting removed from World of Warcraft. We usually talk about dungeons and raids and stuff, but this the, this is stuff that's gone. You can't experience it, and as long as it is gone like that, you can't really. You know it happened, you know, but it's very different to play through. Yeah, no. So definitely. I just I just wanted to throw that out there. I agree. I definitely agree with that. Uh, our last question comes from Ryan123. Uh, Greetings, Watchers. I was listening to your talks about what happens to the Demon Hunters after Illidan and his role in tormenting Sargeras, which got me thinking. Could the Titans have created a pocket in the Shadowlands to imprison Sargeras and then gave Illidan the role of his jailer? I'm sure it would have some pretty huge implications towards the first ones, the background of the Maw, and the role of the jailer, if that's where he was sent. Long-term listener, but haven't played WoW in about five years, it's you two and Anne that has kept me interested in while these years keep up the good work. Uh, maybe we don't know if they could. Uh, yeah, I, I think the way it was set up, it looked very much like it took the power of all of them put together just to get him to the seat of the Pantheon because when they originally fought him, he killed them. Yeah. All of them. Yeah. And he did it with like, you know, a huge demon army and tons of fell, which the Titans aren't really great at dealing with, but nevertheless, they're, they died, and they only just barely escaped because Norganon yeeted their souls halfway across the universe. So I don't think they're at full power here. And even then, you got to um, understand the seat of the Pantheon is itself a pocket dimension, right? Like, yeah, I don't, I don't know where it is. I mean, but it it is its own place. I mean, it it seemed to have a physical location because they physically left it. Like, I don't know if it's a pocket dimension. Um, it feels like but it's we just left it in a trans, in but we left it in a transdimensional ship. No, we didn't. That ship's not transdimensional. Mm. That ship is not a dimensional ship. It is a create. They created it to travel traverse the void, and I mean, not again, not the void, uh, the great dark beyond. And then they had to rip a portal open. They had to use the portal that Illidan ripped open, and then they had to fly through it again. That's fair. So yeah, yeah so maybe it does have a physical location. Who knows? Yeah, but at any rate, wherever it is, um, 
the the fact remains they barely seemed able to get him there. So it didn't feel like they they're in a position to just punch holes into like the Shadowlands willy nilly and do. We don't know, but the thing we don't know the relationship between the Titans and the first ones and the quote unquote pantheon of death. We have no idea. We, we don't, don't know, know how they're related. Yeah, we don't know how the Titans could, if at all, affect the Shadowlands in any capacity, right? Like, if they could, why was the Emerald Dream created? Because that's there. We know that that's there. But if they could tap directly into Ardenwald, why wouldn't they have done that? Why well, wouldn't... that's actually an interesting question because they the it, that asks the question, what's the difference between the purpose of the Emerald Dream and Ardenwald? Yeah. And it definitely feels like there is a difference. Um, I don't feel like the Emerald Dream. I my question has always been: Did they create the Emerald Dream or not? Because it doesn't feel like they did anymore. Yeah, like we were originally told that the Emerald Dream was like this this checkpoint for Azeroth, right? Like that was the original story we were sold. I don't think that's accurate anymore. I don't think that the Titans created it. The more that we're finding out, I think they've figured out how to tap into it. Maybe my argument would be that it is a checkpoint for Azeroth, but that's not, it did. It it wasn't created to be that it was purposed to be that. Right. Yeah, exactly. It was a resource that was turned to it, but it may not have been its original, original intent. Right. So like I, I, cause I've been thinking about that a lot lately too, is how can that Ardenweld in the Emerald Dream be connected as well as as closely as they are because we know that there is a connection there. And then, you know, how did that punch through to Azeroth? What happened there? Is that something that, like you said, uh, it was purposed for it? Maybe it wasn't created for it. Maybe the Titans can't create dimensions. That's another thing. Like, because when we when we find um, Anar going back to something that we talked about originally, she's on another planet. She's not in another dimension, right? Well, here's the thing, though. That's a qu- that's an interesting question because it does feel like they can outpocket dimensions, or at least that lore exists because that's exactly well they can what... tunnel through, right? Like that we know. No, that no, much. no, not just tunnel through. Um, we know because I can't remember her bloody Helia. Helia helped um, Rodin make the elemental planes. Now, were the elemental planes just out pockets of our reality that they just basically built little little pocket dimensions? Which, if they can do that, if they can make a pocket dimension, that still means they can make a dimension. It's just not a very big one. Yeah, and it's uh, not too far removed because we know that those planes crash into ours at, at you know certain points, right? Like, there's a ways that they are connected. So, and for that matter. I mean, the very fact or, that Helia had that knowledge means that that might be why she's so valuable to the jailer. And in fact, that could be what the Shadowlands are, but on a bigger scale because of the first ones. We don't know. This is all stuff we don't know. Yeah, the other thing I've been thinking about too is like the term created can also be interpreted a little bit loosely as well because we can talk about creating these dimensions, but what if they were just repurposed? What if they existed in some capacity and were just repurposed? Like going back to the elemental planes. And I'm not saying this is the case. I'm just throwing this out there as a possibility is what if they already existed in some form? Because that is just a natural order of being. But it doesn't seem to be the case based on other worlds with elementals. Uh, if you look at, for instance, the original Draenor, the elementals just were there on that world. But what they I mean- weren't in. They weren't in another dimension, and they don't go to another dimension. They live on Draenor. Uh, now, you're not. I'm, I understand you're saying there might have been a dimension there, and they just jammed the elementals into it. That's possible. Kind of, because we, we've seen that there are other planets or other things that exist that exhibit a lot of those traits. You brought a bun- bunch of those planets up earlier. It's also entirely po- like we there's a lot we don't know. And we're going to find out a lot about how some of this stuff works in the, in the future. I would I mean, especially with dealing with Helia and how that deal whole all that works. But like if the Titans could do it, why did they need Helia? Like, I think there's a, there's well, something that, that's, there's, that's an interesting question, because. You, that's to me, to my mind, that's kind of a faulty question because the Titans didn't necessarily need Helia to do anything. Titans weren't here anymore. They created the Titan Forge to serve what they wanted to have done on Azeroth without them having to be there to do it. But they were there with the ordering of the elementals, right? No, they, they weren't. They were not. They beat the elementals using the Titan Forge. The Titans themselves, the only interaction the Titans themselves had during that war was when Amonthul decided to stick his fingers in and rip uh, Yashraj out by himself because the Titan Forge couldn't pull it off. And when he did that, he created all sorts of havoc and they're like, oh, oh, that doesn't work. Oh, oh, we definitely need to not get involved. And that's the Titan Forge were used. It was a matter of scale. The Titan Forge we used to do everything there because the Titans themselves were just too much. Right, but my question... 
but if, before they got killed. But it's definitely not a question. Yeah, saying if the Titans could do it themselves, what do they need Helia for? They made Helia. They, you know, she got the information from them. It's like saying if I if I can use a chainsaw to cut down a tree, what do I need an axe for? But I guess my question I have is, an axe. Yeah, but uh, I get the the part that that gets me is like, yeah, I understand that particular point to it, but it's like if they could create the dimension and just have her create the, the gateway to, to funnel them into it, it seems like something that they would have done. Cause like relinquishing control doesn't seem like a very big Titan thing. Oh no, absolutely. It does. No, I, they, I, here's the thing again, you, you're, you're acting like if she did it, that means they couldn't do it. No, I'm not saying that they couldn't. I'm just saying, why didn't they? That's the question. Because they were, they, cause they created this entire, the entire purpose of the reshaping of Azeroth, they used the Titan Forge to do it, much in the same way a doctor today would use microscopic tools to perform surgery instead of just jamming his hands in the chest cavity. Right, but I'm but I'm saying doesn't like, mean a they lot of can't the... jam their hands in the chest cavity. They absolutely can, but they're not going to unless they absolutely have to. But my purpose, my 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 statement goes by the idea of like everything that we hear about what the Titans are doing throughout the universe, even as they're traveling, even when they're like at the peak of their power they're not creating anything. They're reordering what already exists, right? Like that's, that's the part that gets me is like, yeah, but they're still doing it. Here's the thing again, when, when they're quote unquote ordering the universe, they're doing it through proxies. Now creating the elemental planes doesn't necessarily, here's the thing. We're talking about the elemental planes as a dimension, but that doesn't mean that that's what they are. Exactly. But does it still doesn't mean the Titans don't have the power to do it. We and the Shadowlands themselves are beginning to feel an awful lot like pretty similar to the elemental planes, in that they are out pockets into someplace else. Yeah, I, I, that's what I'm. That's I guess that's really the where I'm trying to get with this, right? It's just like there's a lot of stuff here that that I don't want to say it's starting to contradict it, but it's like almost like the lights are starting to turn on and starting to shed uh, different view angles on a lot of the, 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 the stuff that we've been told and this, a lot of the story that's existed for years. And I'm very interested to see where it goes because everything has very interesting implications. You know what uh, the implication that I haven't heard anyone talk about yet, but I keep thinking about what's that Titans made the Titan forged because the Titan, the Titans were too colossal to really interact with Azeroth. Right. Mm -hmm. And we've heard when we go to Alduar, not Alduar, when we go to Aldemon, not Alduar, I'm going to point this out again. When we go to Aldemon and we interact with the Discs of Norgana, which were supposedly the uncorrupted discs that uh, Tyr stole to, to get them away from Loken before he could do anything to them, we hear in Aldemon that the Titans have done this before in other worlds and that it's unique, actually, that they made the, 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 the servitors they made on Azeroth draw upon stone and earth for their construction. Often they just use flesh things which is a pretty interesting thing to think about. Now think about this. If the first ones existed and were creating portals and, and doing so forth, is it possible the Titans exist because they're the first ones are too colossal? I've been to thinking about with that our too. Universe? Yeah. Like and they so beings like the Pantheon of death were created. are created to interact on a proper scale. And thus the Titans themselves are just that in our reality. Yeah, uh, I've, I've, it's the, the most recent thing for those of you that are out there that I could say is like an example of it. It's the, it's like that episode of Rick and Morty with the, the, the going down a level, going down a level, going down a level and all these like micro, uh, universes that are created to one was to power his car. And then, then, then was to generate the power, the power of the car, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's not a, it's not a new concept. It's been around in sci-fi for a very long time, but I've, I've been thinking about that too. Uh, where does the scale stop? Does the scale stop? Because it, it feels like we, we talk about in, in tabletop RPGs like scale creep uh, a lot. And it feels like we're starting to sort of get an idea. Because remember when we first started playing World of Warcraft all those years ago, the, the concept of the Titans was essentially like this god level thing. It was this extreme being that we could never really fathom. And that sort of scaled down over the years. Uh, like they're still massive and you know, the stuff that not, not to change any of the things that have been said about them or the, the actions that they've taken, they're still taking massive things and their scale is still pretty immense, but 
they're not as big as they used to be, if that makes sense. They're not they're not the untouchable colossi in concept that they once were. Uh, we literally hang out with them at some point. Like it's one of those things like we interact with them and they're big, but they're not that big. And yes, they're diminished, blah, 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 whatever. But then that order of magnitude higher that the first ones are. And is there something a magnitude order of higher than the first one? Uh, it's, it's an interesting thought. Like I'm, I'm fascinated by how big this is actually going to get and how encompassing it's going to be and what that means for the future. Anything else that you want to add on that one? Well, I don't agree with what you just said about the Titans, um, that they've shrunk down or diminished. I think it's just that we know more. If It's more like a question of mystery. They're well, presented I mean. as unknowable yeah. because we just didn't know anything about them. Now we know more about them, and thus, in a way, that diminishes them because it diminishes the mystery, but it doesn't actually change them. That's well. That's what it's I mean. I wasn't saying that they. Ch- yeah. I'm, I'm not saying that they're actually changed. That's what I. That's what. Yeah, literally. The way, what I you said. Fra- the way you phrase it, it sounded like that. So I wanted to to, to make sure, sure people understand that it's not that they've gotten any smaller. It's, it's the scope. If if anything, we they are now. We now know they were way bigger than we thought they were. We thought the Titans actually came to Azeroth and walked around on it, and then we found out no, because they are as big as Azeroth, and they would have been like it'd be like standing on someone's back to do a shiatsu massage or something. It's mm-hmm, not. Mm-hmm. The, not how that would work um but at the same time yeah we do know more about them we've had we've spoken to them whereas in the past they were unknowable beings that you couldn't talk to and i find so, that yeah absolutely that's right there and that's interesting when we talk about the first ones we know nothing about the first ones right now and it's interesting though too because like we know about like the pantheon of death at least the the leaders of the the four shadow planes that we go to shadowlands planes that we go to uh we interact with and the some, arbiter and, and the, the arbiter uh, but, jailer himself but we interact with several of them and, and that's that's interesting enough itself yeah yeah it is much the same in that they, they are their 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 mystery is lessened by the fact that you can talk to them and that's absolutely the truth but the first ones we know nothing about so they remain they kind of step into that role of unknowable beings who've had an effect on the cosmos but we, we can't really say what that effect is so yeah there's absolutely yeah it our perspectives and everything is going to change as this expansion moves on. And I think we all just need to be prepared for it because and I've said this before, we are in wild new territory where a lot of this stuff, it's all brand new and they can do whatever they want with it. And I'm, I'm sort of excited by that because we're not, not as restricted to uh, things that are held in uh, place by old, you know, lore, old stories anymore. We're starting to get into uh, a brave new world of, of lore for the game, and I'm 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 kind of here for. It. Uh, but Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at Patreon.com/slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. And again, if you have questions for this podcast or the other podcast, be sure to send them into podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Uh, you can go ahead and send them into our Discord channels. Uh, we do have two of them there. Whichever one you have access to, go ahead and put it in there. Uh, and be sure to check us out on Spotify. Give us a listen. Uh, tell people about it. Share it. It's easier than ever to listen to all of our backlog of everything we've ever done. And you should do it because it's fun. Uh, but that's all we have for this uh, this episode. And uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs>